good day, good afternoon, good night. How you doing? This is MCM and you're listening to You're Probably Right. Today we are going to have a serious conversation. Well, maybe not a serious conversation, but there's going to be a serious talk happening here. Now, of course, I'm only doing the talking, but just stay tuned. How you doing? This is MCM and you're listening to You Probably Right Podcast. Now check it out. Some of you might be the first time you're listening to me today. Um, maybe you've been given this this podcast uh, to listen to um, because somebody thought it was a good idea for you for whatever reason. <laughs> um, just remember this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a Christian podcast, but it is a podcast by a Christian um, so all of my viewpoints are going to be <laughs> from that vein. If, um, I'm definitely going to be honest with you. Um, but I have a lot to say of just of myself, right? That's why I don't call it a Christian podcast. I mean, technically it is because it is by a Christian, but it's not, I'm not going to be going through the scriptures. So if a scripture comes to me at the time of what I'm speaking, then I'll speak it. And most of the time I don't have the exact space <clears throat> or part in the in the in the Bible where you can go and turn to it, but of course, if you're smart, you can just take a couple words that I say and find it in the Bible on Google, easy. But um, the bottom line is, I just want to give a heads up, put a heads up out there. I don't know how to <laughs> a warning, a word of warning, um, from an old timer who has kids gone through the school system in Ontario, Canada, and. Yeah, my kids and myself and one still going through. <laughs> so I just wanted to say some stuff about that. You know, I just think it's important for people to listen and hopefully gain something from this. So here we go. Hopefully this helps you. <laughs> okay. So the title of this podcast is, and it may change, who, who can say until I'm done? But right now it's bridging perspectives, education unveiled. Now it's deeper than that because this is more of a word to the wise for black parents in Toronto, um, having kids and <clears throat> wanting your kids to do good in school and become something one day. Now the what, of course, will obviously will really narrow it as to whether or not this um, podcast is going to be able to help you. And the reason why is because if your total aspirations for your child is athletics or being hip hop, uh, like a rapper, not a hip hop artist, or, um, you know, all the things that, that, that is surrounding in that, or, um, <clears throat> yeah, athletes or hip hop, you know, dancers, <laughs> then you might want to listen to some different advice. Okay. And I am saying this from a personal level of what I think, but of course this is for entertainment purposes only. So it may not entertain you. So you may want to turn it off now. You still there? <laughs> okay. Check it out. <clears throat> Join me today on a journey of cultural insight and understanding as I explore the complex landscape 
of educational disparities among diverse communities. Well, really the black community. Bridging perspectives. Education unveiled delves into thought-provoking discussion about factors influencing academic achievement, featuring conversations from myself. <laughs> Gain valuable insight today in my multifaceted dimensional thought process that, you know, I'm wondering about the shaping of our education experience as far as black kids are concerned in this country. Or, you know, better yet, I would say the GTA. Greater Toronto area for you that, you that don't know. Um, I really want you to listen. Hopefully this will be helpful for someone. Because I realize there's many of us who have worked really, really hard in this country. Um, probably starting, obviously there's black people from way back but I'm more looking at from say the 1960s on 1970s on because that's what I'm familiar with this is what I'm experienced this is what I went to school around this is my school experience to some extent and also being a parent of two black kids who have gone through the system and graduated high school um, both tried the college thing and one's still trying to figure it out. And then I have one child that's still in school. Now listen, there's many things. I'm just going to go on a little rant here. Then I'm going to get into the regular questions that most people have on these topics. But um, if you want your kid to succeed, remember, firstly, you have to be an example. You have to be putting in an effort in whatever it is you do for them to want to do something with themselves. If you're sitting home all day and your excuse is, is that I have four kids and I'm the father's not helping or mother's not around or whatever the case is. And therefore I can just only have enough time to, to stay home and, and wait for them to come from school. And therefore I can't get a job. And the story goes on and on and on and on. If you're a person who thinks that you need to be separate from your partner to get more money from the government to live that type of lifestyle, you're really going to want to listen to this, I think. Or really just think about it. Put it in the depths of your heart and really think about what you're doing with your kids and how they are or are not succeeding. Think about how, how you punish them Think about how you praise them. Think about how you work with them in school, doing schoolwork and not sending them off to a sibling, uh, after school program, a before school program, a special ed teacher or whatever it is. Think about what you are putting in your children's education. I know very, uh, I know a lot. And this is from me growing up and watching my friends and their parents and just interactions in other homes. Because sometimes I guess as a kid, you really want to know is what your parents doing with you normal or is this <laughs> out of, I mean, this is how I looked at it. So I used to always watch the interactions between um, other people and uh, their kids. And I noticed that a lot of parents that I knew 
okay? This is not all. Remember, there's nothing I'm... If I ever say anything that sounds like I'm generalizing, well, I am generalizing, but I'm not... I'm even more than generalizing, or I'm being more specific than generalizing in a sense, because these are the people that I saw with my own two eyes. <laughs> it's my 2020, okay? My listening skills, my observation skills. Okay, so just take that with a grain of rice. Not every black family is going to be this way. <laughs> um, and the reason why I'm stressing this point is because I hate when there's somebody who has a podcast, someone who does stand up, someone who's a preacher, someone who's just the neighborhood loudmouth, the dude at the barbershop or the girl at the hair salon, and they have these opinions and maybe you're in the culture or out of the culture and you overhear these things and you start spitting them off as if they're facts. Now, saying all this to say, saying that to say this, that most of the parents that I knew growing up of black kids were pretty strict. When I look at the kids from those parents, and I, I'm funny as I'm saying that I'm thinking of one that wasn't very strict at all. Um, I can say honestly, the parents who were strict, the parents who had respect for their kids, and in a in a way, <laughs> in a West Indian generally way, because it was mostly West Indians. I'm just being frank with you. It was mostly Jamaicans, Bayesians, um, Trinidadians, a uh, few Guyanese, not very many Guyanese um, from some of the other countries. But most of the parents were very strict. And thus, the students had to work hard. Now, they might have had their ways, their cool hangout, you know, dress good, dance good, jump high, run fast, um, really good at singing and um, artistic uh, expressions and different things like that and being articulate and speaking up for themselves in some way. But yet maybe outspoken, maybe a little loud, but yet most of them, when I look back on, on those, those generations, the ones that I observed, mostly the older ones than, than myself, they did very well, fairly well in life. They were, even though they didn't excel maybe in the, the corporate world, or they didn't, a lot of them didn't make a lot of big money decisions or big money deals from what I know. They were all steady, most of them. They were most of them steady. They got good jobs. They um, had kids, marriages and stuff. And maybe the marriages didn't work out so well <laughs> from some of them. But in this, of course, I'm just giving you what I know. And this is from maybe more specifically. This is growing up in Toronto slash Scarborough slash North York area for 16 years until I was in grade 10 and then I did I think no grade 11 and then I um, moved but um, a lot of these kids were even in, in um, lived in housing I guess you'd call it Ontario housing and um, a lot of them had one parent in the home and I know that that was encouraged by the government people know why or they're starting to know why that happened but um they worked really hard back then. But 
I can honestly tell you from my experience and from the experience of many people that I know, the teachers back then, mostly white, are mostly not black. I mean, they're mostly not black still. <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know, and this is from a being a parent now with three kids who went through the system. It's still very few black back black um teachers there were a lot of white teachers but now some of those white those jobs that were held by uh white teachers have now now gone to a lot of um asian south asian um teachers now still very few black um i think our population is somewhere around 11 to 12 percent in ontario yeah it could be could be wrong but um of course that that population is now mixed in with um people from straight from the continent of Africa and the different um, countries, mostly Nigeria, um, Ethiopia. Um, but I mean, I could be wrong. I'm just, this is just, I'm just spitballing here. I'm just giving you from what I think. So I could be wrong. So if you think that I'm wrong on something, well, guess what? You're probably right. And you're at the right podcast for that. But um, the cultures are different even from, from that standpoint, as I, as I bring up, um, the continent of Africa. And as I said, most of the, the kids that I grew up with were uh, West Indian. And and when I say West Indian, I mean, you know, all the West Indian islands, the, you know, the ba- the Barbados, the Jamaica, St. Kitts, the St. Vincent, St. Lucia, St. Martinique, uh, St. Martin. Um, <laughs> uh, just those countries. Um, and even Guyana, that's way over <laughs> in... Um, South America, but um, just because the cultures are somewhat similar in some ways, and that's of course depending on black to white. I mean, black to brown and black to white. Actually, man, all those countries also have black people, white people, and brown people in there. Anyhow, just just a big mixture. But um, back then, you know, parents were really strict, so kids had to behave themselves in most respects. And those kids, a lot of them went to college. Some went to university, very few, but even these numbers have dropped off. For my generation, for some reason, most are single parents. Most of them are, you know, some of them are doing the occupational mother thing. Um, very few dads have their kids. Um, the, the, the families that have a dad and a mom um, tend to be more structured, tend to be more successful um, because they have, you know, both. But the problem is with the society of them, you know, trying to get people not to have their families together by offering mothers more money to um, to be separate, separate, which, of course, generally causes the government to have to chip in. And even if that's not always the case, it's overwhelmingly the case that if a, a family from any color is divided and the mother has the kids, then there's a certain amount of money per kid that they get and I remember back in those days I don't know how it is now but it was almost more lucrative to well almost always more lucrative to have the father out of their life especially if they weren't married whatever it is just so they could just can gain these checks and I know a few people and I used to personally in my mind and I've you know a few conversations even as a, a younger person I'd say you know these like occupational mothers they're just getting paid to have kids and having kids to get paid and the fathers are kicked out of um, the families one way or the other. Either they get themselves kicked out. And I mean, that's up to, ba- up to debate too. Is it that 
you know, people would say, oh, you know, black men are promiscuous and they just want to do this, that and the other. Or is it also this push pull, how to behave as a wife, how to behave as a husband um, thing, which could be easily cleared right up in, in a Bible believing Bible teaching church, because there's a lot of churches that do because of the situation and people being broken up and taking care of kids on their own, even with the little money, because not like they're getting rich having these kids, but um, just well enough where um, they could feed their kids in maybe not just the best part of, of the area, depending on how smart the person was. Um, but they would have their, you know, their relationships or whatever it is, but they would always, a lot of them would stay single and then do now stay single um, because it is more, I hate to use the word lucrative. It's more, you, you prosper a little bit more. Whereas, you know, if they really wanted to keep families back together, and this is all colors, of course, it's just, I'm looking at this part of the population. Um, it could be better, but they, they've realized that um, for some reason, it's better to keep low income people separate because they could have just simply offered 10% more if the the man stayed in the homes i guarantee you more families would stay together instead of giving the woman maybe 17 to 25 percent more if the husband isn't in the area i mean in the home um i mean depending on your if you're paying utilities it's one less person a little bit more money so things are going to stretch a lot farther plus one of the reasons for men <laughs> in relationships in the first place is to provide so you have intimacy emotional support which she can get from her friends a lot of the time or another family member or her kids when they get old enough um and if the financial support is um coming from the government and to be honest in general <laughs> um men like intimacy generally a lot more often and are more concentrated on it than women um so if they don't always have to have somebody demanding it from them all the time um that makes life easier they can get it when they want it because that's just a fact of life <laughs> on this planet um then you you know why is a woman gonna want to stay with a guy you know um, they're fairly protected in this country. That's another, our culture in the country here, women are, are fairly protected. Not like some third world countries where um, just being a woman out there by yourself isn't going to be as safe. And I'm not saying it's overly safe for anyone, but how often is somebody busted into your home and many other homes that you know around here in Ontario? Um, Whereas it might be um, in other countries where there's not as much, maybe we'll say not, not third world countries. Then I'll say countries that are not as heavily policed and cameraed and civilized in the forms of like lights, street lights, and um, just how well lit the areas are areas are. And the way that the, I guess the city planning has um, structured the, the homes in the cities. If that's an okay way, I don't know. Somebody may come for me anyways. But um, things are just safer here. And it's easier to do it as a female in this country in most cases 
in most case cases <laughs> in most case cases yeah what the heck <laughs> you know what i'm trying to say um but you know and that all to the side there but it's like if you know you can do it by yourself and you're your own boss most people want that i mean most of you if you're if you're that of that age and you know childbearing age and our child rearing age um you're probably good to make the decisions a lot of you on your own if i'm speaking to the women um and of course you know a lot of you like somebody making those decisions for you um but you still want to have your two cents but generally people are unruly generally people want to have their own way so they'd rather own their own run their own home you know maybe a lot of women would prefer not to have to wipe off the toilet seat because somebody forgot to lift it up or put it down um <laughs> i don't know squeeze squeeze the toothpaste like neanderthal instead of squeezing it one little layer at a time and i'm sure again there's some guys who do these things these these proper things and proper behaviors but again we're just generally speaking I hope I'm allowed to do this because it sounds like it's like really off, but um, <laughs> it's just the way I feel. Now, just getting into school, you have your son, your son or your daughter in school, and the question is: Are you helping your 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 child with their work? Are you reading to them? Have you been reading to them? Do you talk baby talk? Do you allow them to talk baby talk? Do you give them pr proper pronunciations and, and give them new words to learn? Do you make sure they're reading or are they just on the video games? Do they get regular exercise? Do they play sports? Do they play too much sports? Have you introduced them to another language? Have you interested them in an instrument? Have you taken them to art class? Have you brought them to say something like Kumon for math? Do you or have you given them access at home to types of technology that they will be using in a classroom now? Do you monitor how much video games they play? Do you co-parent with a husband or with a wife? Do you do everything by yourself? Do you take everything your kids say as a lie? Or do you take everything that they say to you as the truth? Do you have a clear picture of how your students learn, your, your child learns? Do you have a proper understanding of how your child behaves? Have you left the openings of communications for your teacher, your, your students, your parents, sorry, your kid's teacher to um, contact you without getting your, your backup or getting kind of angry just from them contacting you in the first place? Do you and can you? help them with their homework do you have the time or are you at work all the time or are you out 
Do you keep them during the Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they go somewhere else and then they come back on Sunday so that most of their spare time isn't even with you? You wonder why, and I'm talking to the women, you wonder why kids um, want to be with their dads. Not only because he's cool or cooler or he can lift them up and spin them around, but a lot of fathers are who are in the kids' their children's lives they get their kids when it's fun time of course i know a lot of women who overload this the the child full of homework and stuff when he goes to <laughs> the father's house to uh combat that but um you if he's spending all his his or her free time with dad well you know it's kind of pick the kids up take them to mcdonald's bring them home watch a movie chill out on saturday maybe play another sport on the weekend hang out cool out eat cool snacks and and dinners with dad and then they're back to your house like a, a soldier sunday night ready to go to sleep by 8 30 wake up for 7 30 and do it all again do you think that helps many of you who have now um kids who are turning into teenagers and you're wondering why they don't want to listen as much as you thought you did when your 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 student gets your child gets to high school how much are you paying attention to their schoolwork how much are you monitoring who they're hanging out with how much are you monitoring when how long they're keeping their phones in their eyes in in bed at night how much right do you think you have to intrude on them with when their behaviors at school or when their behaviors with their devices are not right what strategies have you run into what problems are what strategies have you used and what problems have you um dealt with with your kids have you been able to solve them like there's just so many things that um i would like to talk about but i'm not gonna be able to get it. it'd be nice to this case it would be really nice to bounce it off someone else this whole idea just back and forth a little bit but i'm gonna do my best i'm gonna answer some of that within some of what i'm gonna read here so i did try to find um scholarly um type uh, peer-reviewed uh, articles on this topic and I'm just going to be straight with you. Most of the stuff just seemed, you know, Black Lives Matter, leftist, communist type of thinking in the articles where I just want somebody who just to tell me instead of going along with the movement, just give me your stats. And if you want to throw there, you give your conclusions. And maybe if you want to give your opinion, you can throw that in there as well. But I just wanted straight facts. I didn't want somebody saying why they think that there's a disparity in a in, in um, all the the stuff that's happening with with the black kids and graduating and going to university, <clears throat> because a lot aren't. I know that the culture from, as I said, the, the continent of Africa, they're they're different. A lot of those students, or at least a lot of the students that are black who are graduating and going into university from high school to university and from university on to even their masters 
a lot of them are not from the West Indian Islands. Now, some might say, well, the Bayesians are, well, apparently the Bayesians, Barbados is, um, I guess, the highest and the most literate um, country in um, the West Indies. And I guess it's been known to be called Little England and all that jazz. Now, I know enough delinquents from that country as well, but maybe they're mixing with the rest of us. Um, but um, yeah, so I just realized, and, and if you think about it, I mean, I was, I said in a different podcast that I was watching and listening. Um, it was COVID time and there was graduations happening and someone close to me was graduating university. And I was noticing when they, when they were flashing the, the pictures and saying the names, I was raising these were black kids graduating from, from university. But most of the black people that I saw graduating had distinct African names and for lack of a better way to say it, they did not look like they were West Indian, but they were black. And I guess how somebody would know some of the different cultures in some of the brown or other cultures, um, you kind of know your people (laughs) is the best way I can put it. And I'm sure some people may not understand that either, but many, many, I'm getting not all, many people from my culture knows what I'm saying. Okay. What do you think are the most significant factors that contribute to the lower university enrollment rates among black students compared to other demographics? Um, I would say grades. (laughs) Um, A proper way to fix this in school, as far as the grades are concerned. Um, A desire for black kids to go to university if it's not with sports um financial a lot of black parents do not have the funds saved away for their kids to go to university they're hoping college a lot of them at least and many would like university and have gone to university i have many many family members who went to university i wasn't one of them (laughs) but um yeah so i would say those are the main just you know i think just a vision when i was a kid i can honestly say when i was in the middle of of high school i was trying to figure out i didn't see the marks coming and i was in special ed <laughs> um but when i got to uni- when i got to university when i got to high school i tried my best to defy what they thought i should do and Sometimes I felt as a student and as a parent that sometimes it feel you feel like as a black kid, you're being streamlined and we're hoping for college for you. They see you maybe reading below grade point average or, you know, a decent grade point average, or they see you having to go down to the local, not locally developed, but the, um, just the, the general high school levels knowing that it's not going to get you to university right off out of um, grade 12. I mean, many people are, many black people, many West Indian black people are in university or did go to university, but many of them went to college first. Now, there are those, the outliers, 
<laughs> the hard workers, the intelligent, not so not always intelligent, just sometimes many hard hard workers, and yeah, some get gifted as well, um, who just went straight. But I know many who did, and they think they're you know they've done it now. They've become something. They got a couple letters behind their name. A lot of them had to do the college thing first, and many of them would say, "Well, I didn't know how smart I was." Many will say I wasn't encouraged. Many will say that I didn't have the money and I couldn't, the OSAP wasn't going to work for me. Most of them are just, the grades weren't there at the end of the day. And there was no push. Many kids um, back in my day were also told like, you know, university is probably not going to happen or university can happen after you do a college course. But, you know, life happens as well. Think about how many women um, went to college, got pregnant and either finished late, didn't finish, but then university was uh, a far gone conclusion. And then at the same time, many of those women obviously have, there was guys who were trying to find money to now raise a family with or in the house or out of the house where they would take on some of the menial, um, lower level um, jobs that didn't really pay enough to support a family, let alone an individual living on their own and supporting a family. So it's like a, a vicious cycle. Um, we can play around if we want, but we know that finances dictate outcome um, in the healthiness of a marriage. Most of the marriages, when there's cheating, when there's problems in a marriage, it's usually financial and then it's generally sexual and there's a split and why why is because there's not that sanctity of marriage in the minds of many people who are entering into that covenant so all kinds of things go awry women want more money men want to make more money or are lazy so they don't care if they make more money Many are just not able to and that they're not finding the vision. They're not finding the places to work. They don't have the ability or the skills or the knowledge or the understanding because of how high school went for them. You know, going to school and learning 50 to 60% of the information every year puts you back. I mean, I remember there were some kids who were like pointing out the wrong stuff that teachers were putting on the, the blackboards were upset if they lost more than two percent off of a test meanwhile i was just happy to be over 50 and ecstatic to be over 60 on a test that means that kid knew in every one of those areas 30 percent more than i did or at least could display it on a test but yet when you're figuring out something or just having a conversation a lot of the time what i found even though i was in spec ed is that I was just as intelligent as the kids making the higher marks. So there's something there as well. But I can honestly say there wasn't a lot of time spent with me on my schoolwork. People tried, people got frustrated, people left me to my own devices, people let me go to spec ed. And in spec ed, what did I do? <sighs> Try not to get my head knocked off by hyperactive kids and um, do math that was even too easy for me. And because there were so many kids in the classroom, the teacher could only coach you up so far to maybe, you know, maybe if the school goes, you know, if you're thinking of a, 
a math unit from maybe September to November. And then from November to January with Christmas in between, a lot of the time they could coach you up to maybe November. You're still behind. And then you'd get your credit or whatever. You'd get your, um, you'd get moved on to the next, the next grade. Anyhow, there's just so many reasons. Can you shed light on how socioeconomic inequities might impact access and quality to quality education and consequently university attendance for black kids? Well, yes, I, I said it already, you know, like most parents didn't have it. And uh, a lot of the time, I would say back in my days, they didn't even know if they wanted to put be on the hook for <laughs> OSAP to university. And most kids just figured that, you know, they'll be able to make maybe almost as much money at a university level do it, I mean, college level doing some job, which you, in most cases you can't, there's certain jobs that you have to have a master's after you have the master's, they want three or four years of experience. But I can tell you in a black family, let's just say, you know, you get that way. Who's, who's stalling you out for the three to four years. If you, if you can't get a half decent job in the black community, you know, there's, there's very few people who are really going to work at it and be able to pay down that loan while working at a menial job in the in their field to get the experience it, it's it's not an easy thing but it, it takes some dedication some stick to like and it's going to take some encouragement and um some accountability from parents and a lot of the time you're not seeing that why a lot of the black parents aren't home a lot of the black parents are wearing working two jobs a lot of the time it's a single parent working two jobs how much do you see your kid you know it's a reality and again, the parents of the kids now who are in school, a lot of them, it was a, a vicious cycle. So most of the time you're talking to parents who some finished high school, some finished college, but a two year, sometimes a three year course in college. How much can that guarantee you as an average pay? Not, I'm not talking about the people who were able to make a hundred thousand three years out of high school even though they didn't go to college. I'm not talking about those who are apt and really um, good at, at getting to that money regardless. There's some people, no matter what you've taught them or what people have, think they've taught them or where they think they glean things from, there are people who are always going to be overcomers, overachievers, people who are going to be outliers in every situation. So socioeconomic, of course. If your parents are broke, chances are you're going to be broke. And even if you go to school, you're going to go to school hungry or you're going to go to school with not as good of a, a, a computer, not as good of a, a lunch, not as good of a this, not as good of a that. Like not. I mean, let's just say there's some people who will get it done. Some people will come together and get it done as parents. But in a general sense, that hasn't been the case. There has been. Um, issues with fathers not being able to come to the country some women you know they have their husbands out you know out in the not even in the country because of that same thing with making more money as a single mother not being canadian citizens when the child's conceived not showing a lack of respect for the sanctity of marriage there's a whole bunch of broken families trying to to um duplicate things between people rather than sharing things like a car for instance a lot of time you'll find everybody in one family, your broke ass family, you're broke, 
but you everybody wants their own car whereas why not share why couldn't you take the bus two days out of the week maybe drive a better car you know there's been different people talking about that in other cultures whereas some will go without you know do you need the jordans do you need the new dunks <laughs> uh, you may not even know what i'm talking about do you need that chain do you need your hair done for 150 to 200 dollars every two weeks how about that 40 to 50 dollar nail job do you need that how many pairs of shoes do you need there's different upkeeps in our culture that a lot of other cultures don't really have. Hair is a big thing. Flossiness, fat, flashiness, good dressing. That, that's stuff that, that factors into the culture, which probably should be factored out at some level, but it's just a part of who we are. But is there another way to participate in that without spending all of your money or, or you know, 40%, 30% of your money on it while other cultures are, are living slimmer and easier <laughs> and um, really not spending on the on the extras that we think are so important do you believe systemic challenges like inadequate school resources and funding could play a role in limiting black students access to higher education um to a, to a certain extent, I know there's a lot of, like, if you want to talk about um, resources, like, I mean, what do you need as a resource? These days, now everything's on a computer. Does the child have an access to a computer? Could it be something that's provided? Is it something that's provided? I know that there are um, many students who go through testing. Not all kids, some kids fall through the cracks and don't get a computer and they don't have a good one at home. Um, that could be a resource. Um, but I mean, for the most part, education is free as long as a kid gets a, has a place to sleep, eat good meal and a safe place to sleep and um, proper, you know, warm clothes, appropriate clothes to be put on. Um, you know, they can play a, a role, but I think it's a cultural mindset. Honestly, it's not just access of this and access to that. You got you got places like Salvation Army. You got you got food banks. You got baby bonus, it's called something else now, a universal, uh, whatever it is. There's different monies that you can have if your money is spent right. I know that it's not easy to live on welfare and a lot of the black families are not on welfare, but a lot of the parents are in jobs that are paying, say, from $15 an hour up to, uh, and this is just an average, maybe $30 an hour. And then you have the upper uh, middle class and as far as black maybe from 30 all the way up to 55 dollars an hour if they got a pre pretty decent job <sighs> but um you know funding yeah you can you can go with the funding but i don't think not so much it's what are the living um conditions like what is the nutrition like what is the housing on a whole like what is the family dynamic like um, and beyond that, what is the belief system? There was one time where this country used to more lean towards Christian values, and now it doesn't, being straight up, which it kind of, they, sending those messages being sent from a home, because a lot of the families are Christian-based, or a, Christian, a type Christian background, 
but um, there's this different um, push that's going on. I call it tribalism. People might call it um, affinity groups um, where there's division. And some of the ways that things are being lean these days are leaning towards students having self-determination and taking some of the control out of the parents' hands. And to be frank with you, what kind of um, decisions are you making for yourself at that age? And how strict are you with your parents? Are your parents kicking you out if you don't get, if you don't get pulled back in no less than a, a, a B minus? All right, are, is there is there consequences for getting less than a B minus, or getting a B minus? Like there's just total different consequences. Um, you are looked on differently in many cultures if your marks are garbage, <laughs> garbage. And of course, there's more. But that's all I'm testing. I'm just kind of blowing through this a little bit here. Okay, in my opinion, how does representation in academic environments influence the choices and aspirations of black kids when it comes to pursuing university education? Well, as I said before, there's not very many role models in the schools as far as black um, staff are. And if there are black staff in a high school you know, call it, I mean, high school, I mean, well, both ways, I guess you could look at both, but generally the black staff are support staff. That means caretakers, EAs, CYWs, office staff, um, trades people, but there's very few teachers. Now, of course, your student, your child may go to a school with actually five black teachers. What could he do? But in most cases, there's one or two in a school, maybe three. It depends. It depends on how big the school is. And I would say in most cases, most other cultures, except for, of course, First Nation, um, are represented even more. A lot more. Now, of course, everything's a trickle down effect, but you could say from generation to generation, but I can honestly tell you a lot of people who are teaching are kids in schools are either first or second generation from other cultures and some black um, families have been here for three and four generations and still can't make any headway in a general sense cultural factors such as different educational prior priorities or historical inexperiences influence the decision-making process for black families regarding university attendance no because i i would honestly say that it, it, as far as attendance is concerned if a kid's going to university chances are they're fighting through and there's something that happened good in that home of course not always some had to fight through everything to go from high school to university straight but um sometimes i would say cultural factors i mean most of the guys that I knew um, as growing up, if you're going to high school, if you're going to university, it was in most cases, you're getting some kind of a, some kind of a, either not really a scholarship, but you're getting some type of a way in because of uh, athletics or music or something like that. Although they don't really give um, athletic scholarships so much in Canada. Um, now they're giving part stuff. And a little bit here, a little bit there. 
But um, yeah, this is again from my experience. Are there examples of successful community-based initiatives that aim to bridge the gap in university enrollment among black students? I wouldn't say. I mean, I know there are certain bursaries and certain scholarships that you can earn, but I mean, how many kids are getting those? How many kids even know how to apply for those? And how many actually even qualify for those? I would say not very many. So community-based, the communities are, are, are divided. <laughs> so, I mean, they have something for Jamaican kids. It might be just for Jamaican kids. Sometimes it'll be West Indians. Sometimes there'll be little loopholes and people who aren't even fully um, that way <laughs> take advantage of things sometimes that the regular black kids, <laughs> um, the greater population, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, don't get two or reach out and have <laughs> or get access to or even know about how might the perception of financial barriers including student loan debt impact black kids decision to attending university well sometimes you'll have those who will think they're being prudent by um, going for the $8,000 education rather than the forty fifty thousand dollar education um might play a small role but in most cases if you can get to university you can look at that osap later you're going to university in most cases so it's not only the financial but i mean the financials do play a a, a, a factor sometimes there's people who don't qualify for that much but parents are separated it's little loopholes people who do fall in the fall through the cracks when it comes to even osap Can you discuss any potential discrepancies in guidance <clears throat> and mentorship for black students within which might influence their readiness and confidence to pursue higher education? Of course. Well, you, you hit it right there on, on the, the head right there when you say influence. Is there an influence? Um, I remember back in my days, we were all kind of being skirted to college. We were, you know, if you take general, you can still go to college and then you can go to university later. That's what it was. It was always... You're not doing so well. Why don't you back off? Take the easier course. Go to college for two years. Anything can happen in the two years while you're at college. You could get pregnant. You could get somebody pregnant. You could have all kinds of problems where life changes. Maybe you get married. Maybe you, you find a job that you think the best job ever and you don't go to university after. You just stick with the college. There's many things. Just from the more time you, you take in between, the chances are less that you're going to university. And if they're they're encouraging black kids instead of to pull up their socks or to find ways to help them to earn their credits that will allow them to go to university, most of the time students were and still are being told to back off and take the easier courses. Give up on math. Give up on English. What role do you think media and pop culture play in shaping aspirations for black kids? And could they, could these factors contribute to university enrollment? Well, I mean, from a sports standpoint, a lot of kids feel that, you know, if they're, they've been playing sports a lot, that they might have a shot and they, they bank everything on athletics. I knew one kid who would barely even do his math because he said, forget it anyway. I'm going to go to a, a rep league and maybe a, a 
almost professional league soccer. So therefore, I don't really need to do my um, my work as much or as hard as I as you think I do. Or I've, I've seen the ones where it was the same situation, but they thought they could handle the high level math when they really just needed some help. But they were trying to soldier it on their own. Like I've seen the many different um, scenarios, but um, pop culture for sure. They, you know, sometimes in, in high school, it's like you're bugging your parents for the new uh, pair of whatever, rather than begging your parents to spend that same two to $400 on the shoes in a, a class to help you upgrade your math. You know, from a standpoint, parents want to make you happy. Maybe parents want to give you stuff that they didn't even have or couldn't afford, but they're not spending it in the right way on you. That happens as well. Maybe teaching kids and telling them to get a job early so they can take some responsibility for their upkeep and their everything um, early in high school. Not taking away from study time, but just enough so they're doing something once or twice a week and earning a little money, maybe even paying them at home or whatever it is, but um, giving them some type of work ethic and a hard work, uh, you know, pays off kind of a, a attitude. Many don't do it. Many want to keep their kids close to the hip, even though they're not even watching them when they're older so much. Are there innovative approaches in education, mentorship, or community involvement that you might believe could encourage more black kids to consider attending university? Well, number one, church. <laughs> Send your kids back to church. Let them learn something on the weekend. Let them be around people who have um, a, a moral compass um, away from the craziness that's out there on social media. Limit their TikTok and Instagram use. Those things, not only are they messing with, with young kids, but they're messing with parents. And parents know. People know how addictive those things. Those things, I took them right off of my phone. I realized how they were. And it's a waste of time. Um, monitoring your kids, seeing what they're doing. <laughs> and then mentorship, well, yeah, as I said, there's not very many black adults in the school. And if there are black adults, a lot of the time they're doing the lower level jobs. And I can tell you there's a whole culture in the way that colleagues speak to support staff who are support staff. I won't even go color wise. I'll just stay in support staff. But a lot of time it does. The color lines are kind of uh, crossed as far as behaviors are concerned in that respect as well. But that's not our point here. <laughs> and last question. It's essential to approach this topic with empathy. What empathy do you have for parents who are going through a difficult time and having their kids' trajectory aimed at university or not aimed at university? And I'll say I have a lot of empathy for people in this situation because I was in this situation. I personally, as a, as a student, I took it on. I, I thought I could get there, but I found out in, I'd say, grade 10 that things were not working as planned. I did try the advanced level. That's what um, university level is now. I did start that right from the, the get-go. They told me to take college. I said, no, I'm taking um, like university level advanced. And I was able to do it for a little while. Um, I mean, the only class that I did ever fail was math, which I had to take in summer school, but that was the only class that I failed in high school. So 
Why? Because after a while I started dumbing down my credits. And the funny thing is taking the grade nine advanced and then and then um, dropping back, say after a grade, so grade nine advanced, not very well, grade 10, not very well, then sloughing off for most of my grade 11 classes into general, which would be just the college level, um, I found those courses, I still didn't do that well. Even though I knew the, a lot of the work a lot better than most of the students in there because I'd been taking advance for the last two years, even though I was doing horrible, but I still knew more. I still kind of brought my level down again. So it was like, you're at a 55 in advanced and now you're getting a 60 or a 55 again. Like it was just a, it was just no fight, no desire to, to excel. But also I probably did at some level bite off more than I could chew. I mean, it seems like they're working with kids who have um, different dislay, delays like um, dyslexia or dysgraphia or the different things that students like the average so-called average student um, goes through. And I guess maybe in my community in all communities, I don't know. So it seems like in my community a lot. Um, but um, there's advancements that they know how to work with, with these kids more. But again, I'm not even so sure. It might be just the fact that they have access to computers. And now with um, AI, who knows? Those kids are probably even excelling more. But what are they learning with the fact that AI has now jumped on everything? I have no idea. So maybe kids who would normally get a 60 because of ChatGPT now might be able to pull us a good solid 70 or above. Um, who knows? The, the jury's still kind of out with that. But anyway, um, I do feel it because, you know, as I said, as a student, I didn't excel very well. Um, my kids excelled in certain areas, but again, maybe they didn't see the example from me and what I was doing for most of their life as far as uh, working adult. Um, so maybe they, instead of reaching for the stars, they reach for the ceiling. You know what I mean? Who knows? But I know that it is a vicious cycle. You have to start, all this stuff has to start with people who will be becoming parents soon. Work with those who already have kids, people who are parents now or with their kids through high school. But those young adults from ages, say 18 to 27, something has to happen where they are getting ready to have kids of their own and there's something developing in these young people to make them succeed and to display and to show what it is to succeed to their children who they will have so that the culture can maybe not catch up but do better and that's just straight and i'm keeping it honest anyhow y'all this has been another episode of you're probably right i know there's many things that you probably agree with and many things you probably don't agree with i'm sure some people are like i don't agree with anything and then there's a couple here and there that might agree with everything I said, which of course there's more to have in that conversation. But basically I just wanted you to get those juices flowing as parents, as maybe even educators, that there is a lot that you can be doing. And another thing, a PS to all this. I heard this nonsense today from someone. Um, they were gonna be in the care of many um, students from different cultures. And um, their focus, and maybe, they, you know, they always tell you, what's your focus? Who do you want to work with as you're doing this occupation, blah, blah, blah. And this person was picking their culture. And 
they said um they, they could do so much for her because blah 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 and then they actually made a comment telling me about my culture and i didn't agree i let them know i know it, it did get comfortable it did get uncomfortable i didn't rebut anything really except for the fact of i believe in all kids and i believe that all kids succeed and i think that i care about all kids succeeding no matter what color or creed they are or race or whatever it is or what intersectionality they they belong to the bottom line is students need help to succeed they can't do it by themselves and you as a parent you as an educator you as even a person in the building if you're in it working in a school or you just in the community there are little things that we all can do to help raise these black children to know that they can succeed and giving them a point as to why they need to try to succeed they don't see it now they may be just obsessed with Travis Scott or London rap <laughs> or basketball or football or roadblocks or some other computer type game maybe they want to be a rapper maybe they want to be a singer there are ways that we all can encourage them maybe all you can do is make sure that when you are in public for those of you who connect can offer a word of encouragement or maybe you can just lead by an example maybe instead of arguing with the bus driver in front of young black kids you respectfully decline from getting into any type of verbal verbal altercation because i i realize a lot of the time a lot of the cultures just don't want to deal with black culture it's not only because they're black but because there's a level of rudeness that comes from a lot of the teenagers now and i know that many teenagers in many cultures are that way but our culture tends to really get brazen when they get brazen and loud it's different there's something in our culture it's there's this temperature on our chest and we go from 0 to 100 real quick real quick in many of us and sadly sad to say is this has stuff happens at school now if you're thinking that every teacher is going to care if your kid is rude to them every day cuz i've seen it if your kid is rude to a staff member at a school in most cases because these people are people too how much are they going to invest in your child if they're rude if they come in the class with their hat on their hoodie on their hair not combed smelly maybe being rude maybe being loud maybe showing late up showing up late every day there's many people who are going to take that as disrespect maybe it's the language in class maybe it's just a perception that so many people from their different travels in society have about our culture or maybe they just don't like our culture maybe they're indifferent they're just saying these guys are waste men waste women waste girls so i don't need to help them they're not going to do anything anyways they're going to go work in retail there's no 
ba basis behind what they're they think they're trying to accomplish i'm not going to waste somebody waste my time on someone who's not going to do anything with their life anyway these attitudes are out there and then there's the attitudes of the ones that do care and want to help and there's some kids who won't even give them a chance because they are of a different culture or of the same culture but they'd be called uncle tom there's so many different facets to this. But what I'm saying is we all can make a difference. And at very least, we can be an example. And at the other end, we can help. Stir, focus, hold them to accountability. Don't buy them every dumb trinket that they need that's going to be the thing. They probably don't need a, a Mike Amari shirt that costs $500. They probably don't need the new Jordans. It's not going to give them any status. You might even get beat up for them. There's just so many things. And I know that, you know, school boards now have the anti-black racism strategy. Um, there's the dismantling anti-black racism strategy. Like there's everything to combat but how well is it being combated when you're just sending in a, a black, one black, one extra black person in, in a whole school or a couple whole schools and they only have time to listen to a kid here and there or ask them why they're not going to class or give them a couple bus tickets here, here or there. The effort isn't there. And I think a lot of time people are counting on other cultures to really care about our students. But what I'm realizing is there are a lot of people who really don't care if your kid succeeds. If they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. What else is new? And I've seen it. And I'm sure many of you have seen it. You've seen it in teachers. You've seen it in neighbors. You've seen it in, in their pairs' parents. You've seen it in their peers. Yeah, if they're black, they want you on the basketball team for them or running track for them or maybe volleyball. Maybe in their choir, playing an instrument, singing or something, or rapping. But if I were to ask you, if there was a, a chess team or the math Olympics, how many are, are asking and, and sending home to you to see if your kid wants to participate in the math Olympics? How many of you don't even know what Math Olympics are? Anyhow, that's my two cents, my rant, my rave. I know that it might sound um, negative to, and might even sound stereotypical to many of you. Um, and I actually kept it pretty tame to tell you the truth. There's a lot more that I could say, but we in mixed company. No, um, anyhow, I'm going to stop for now because I've gone on long. Um, it would have been good to have this one as a roundtable kind of conversation, probably from different people from different walks of life, maybe some outside, some inside culture um, viewpoints. Um, I hope, you know, this one has just been a me kind of talking to you and you can pass it on or you can just keep it quiet just between me and you. If I help one person look at something a little bit different, maybe how ignorant other people look at the situation. Maybe I, I don't look at it in a good light as far as you're concerned. And that is going to um, encourage you to work harder with the black kids around you and your family, your kids or whoever. 
maybe this is a bad mindset that I got from growing up here and having kids here and going to school here. And maybe there's another mindset that you know that you can work and it works well. Maybe you've never had this experience and all of your kids have gone to university and are doing well in their marriages and their life in general. And this information is totally useless. Well, then you know what? I'm happy for you. Congratulations. And all I would say is whatever you're doing, instead of keeping it for you and your kids, please pass it on to ignorant fools like myself. Because you know what? You're probably right. This is MCM. Take care. God bless. Come check out You Probably Write Podcast. Society is getting more unpredictable every day, but at the same time, predictable in its unpredictability. Say that four times real fast. Come with me as I attempt to find clarity in all the fog while staying way outside the box and kicking the box way down the road with my size 12 docks. <laughs> I use the Bible, experience, education, fortune, misfortune, life's lessons, life's mistakes to sort through all the mess. I talk about news, God, uh-oh, yeah, God, self-help, sports, sickness, health, music, parenting, love, humbleness, hurt, pain, joy, and all the things that might make you say, hmm, I never thought of it that way. Hopefully, anyway. Also, I take a stab at answering tough and not-so-tough questions, and all the while, understand that, listen, sometimes you end up in the hot seat and there's no thermostat. Well, that's how it is here. And because there's no topic, well, very few topics off the table, Torontonians will understand that Doug Ford reference there. <laughs> Hopefully, the podcast will be helpful and uplifting. And hey, maybe you'll find your own private Idaho here somewhere. Hope to see you soon.